the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for all of the ways you continue to reveal your love to us, for all of the ways that you nourish us, and that you draw us back to the Father's house. And we ask that through our own reflection on the Mass, that you may give us a deeper appreciation of your work in our lives, and you may share with us your goodness continually, and give us hearts to receive. We entrust this time into Mary's hands as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, uh, today's going to be a little different. I, uh, I have to be in Cincinnati to give a, to do something. Um, it's not important. So I have to be in Cincinnati, and I have to leave at like 9.30, 9.45. So I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then I'm going to hand you over into the very capable hands of Father Mike Schmitz, who has just, it, yeah, who's really, so, so we did the same thing last night. I, I talked for a little bit. I showed this video. Somebody came up to me. So first of all, I got a little like, I've seen this video like four times before, and, uh, and somebody else just said, oh, I can't wait to go to Mass tomorrow. I mean, I just... I started to cry, Father, and uh, so I don't want to like build it up too much, but whew. Yeah, so we're talking about the Mass, right? And um, so if you remember like the, the um, kind of the trajectory we've been on, talking about this story of salvation, that, um, that first God created everything in goodness, and that's the way things were always supposed to be, made in love, for love, by love, in love with the Lord, with each other, this perfect relationship. But things fell apart, right? There's this brokenness captured by the devil, um, enslaved to sin, like this real brokenness that Jesus comes to rescue us from, right? He comes to save us, comes to heal us. And, that, and that's this salvation. And then the sanctification, right? This continually gets applied to our lives, right? We continually get like immersed in it like we did in our baptism we talked about last week. So the mass is like the pinnacle of our life of this happening. And there's this beautiful quote from the Second Vatican Council. It's so great that the catechism thought, well, we're just going to copy and paste this. So it's also in the catechism about, about the mass and it continuing the work of Jesus in our lives. At the Last Supper, on the night he was betrayed, our Savior instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood. This he did in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross throughout the ages until he should come again, and so to entrust to his beloved spouse, the church, a memorial of his death and resurrection, a sacrament of love, a sign of unity, a bond of charity, a paschal banquet in which Christ is consumed, the mind is filled with grace, and a pledge of future glory is given to us. So think about, like, kind of just to highlight something. He did this to perpetuate his sacrifice of the cross. So the Mass perpetuates what he did on Calvary, right? Makes it constantly present. So even at, and we'll talk about, like, the Last Supper, Jesus says, do this in memory of me. So that means it's not just like something in the past that, hey, let's just sit around and have story time. You remember that one time Jesus gave us the Eucharist? That was cool, wasn't it? It's, it's actually entering into it and making the past present. That we do this, right? It perpetuates, the mass perpetuates what Jesus did until he comes again, 
right? In heaven, there's an eternal mass, right? And, and so the, you know, the, we won't need altar servers in heaven, right? Jesus will constantly, uh, although I do love altar servers, but we won't need them in heaven. Yeah, we had, yeah, we had the, at, at first, it was their first time serving. If you were at mass today, it was their first time serving. And uh, they were very confident, which I thought, this is going to change. Uh, <laughs> And as soon as they get out there, they're kind of like lost, which, you know, I've been there. Um, if you're watching, you guys did a great job. So, and he entrusts this to his beloved spouse, the church, right? It, just a great line of why he does this, because we're his beloved. That's why he gives us the mass. This is why he perpetuates this, is because he loves us, because he cares about us, because he wants us to share in his goodness. So, probably no surprise to anybody here, as this title says, the Mass is important, super important. So the names of the Mass. The Catechism has, goes through the, the different names that we call the Mass. And next week we're going to talk about the Eucharist in and of itself, right? The, the part that we consume. So there's names about that that I, I didn't include here. But so, so these different names, right? First one, the Holy Sacrifice. You've probably heard it called the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It perpetuates Christ's saving victory of the cross. So it's a sacrifice. It's, it continues that. So the Mass is a sacrifice. So we call it the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The Holy or the Divine Liturgy. So in the, the sacraments in general, we talked about, the, um, about liturgy. What is liturgy? And the, the definition of liturgy is a work done on behalf of others. Right? So the, the Mass is a work that somebody does on behalf of somebody else. Who's the, who's the somebody? Jesus Christ, right? So it's, it's the work of Christ on behalf of us, his beloved church. And so the, the liturgy is something that we, that we enter into. And it's called the holy liturgy or the divine liturgy because baptism is a liturgy, uh, marriage, right? A marriage is a liturgy, but the mass is the one, right? It's the, it's the pinnacle of all, of all of the sacraments and the way we live it. Holy communion. Right? So, Holy Communion, we receive Holy Communion, right? We have that union with Christ, right? Come, like we share, like come, come together in union with Christ. So, what we receive is, is Holy Communion. Um, and then the Holy Mass. So, uh, and it's got this, so I just, this is direct quote from the Catechism. I just copy and paste. has this word, Misa, in um, parentheses. So, in Latin, the dismissal at Mass is ite misa est. Go therefore it's sent, basically. Ite misa est. And so in Latin, they, they took the whole name for the Mass from the word misa, right? Like, your dismissal is what we're going to call all of this. Which is really interesting because you call it after the sending forth. Uh, it gets its name from the sending forth, which means, which for our own like, reflection is, the Mass is what nourishes me to be sent forth. Right, the Mass is which helps me to be sent out into the world. Right, so we call it the Mass because it's that thing that sends us out into the world. So kind of an interesting thing as to why that's the, uh, that's the name. But um, you know what? In, I, must, I must have missed the copy and paste because in Latin the Misa is just one S. But in Spanish the word for Mass is Misa with two S's. So... When I have to leave early, I'm going to misa you. <laughs> 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 
I'm feeling good. <laughs> but you're not going to meet me some me. All right. So the ma the ma all the sacraments, remember, we talked about they're instituted by Christ. So not just the sacraments, but the Mass, the way we celebrate, is instituted by, uh, by Jesus Christ. And so here we have the, um, just the institution narrative. So we call the, the, the narrative, the story that Jesus Christ gives us, the Eucharist, whether it's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or what's the other book of the Bible that has an institution narrative? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and? Oh, 1 Corinthians. Yeah. It's a total trick question. Total trick question. Yeah. So, it, and that's fascinating because St. Paul doesn't often directly quote Jesus. He doesn't often quote the words of Jesus like three times total. One of the, I think, don't quote me on that, um, but one of the times that St. Paul directly quotes Jesus is the institution of the Eucharist. Like, must have been important for Paul to get those words right. So anyways, just a couple things to notice about this. So this is Luke's version. Is, um, one is that he talks about, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover. Right? There's this longing that Jesus has in his own heart to share this with his disciples. Right? There's this, it like wells up inside of him that he wants to share this with them. And so he, he takes the cup, he, he takes the bread, he offers thanks, and he, he says, you know, do this in memory of me. It's not um, just, hey, remember we did this. Don't forget what I told you, but it's actually do this, right? There's a command to actually live this out, not just to keep it in the past. And even this, like, he doesn't just say do this, but he says do this in memory of me. And that gets to the, um, the Jewish idea of memory. So it and for the Jewish people, you know, they would celebrate like the Passover every year and they would get their Passover lamb and they would slaughter the Passover lamb because they're reliving the Passover. When God saved them, he rescued them from Egypt. So there's this um, making, so memory and remembering in the, the Jewish sense is to make the past present. It's not just to look back with like nostalgia, like looking back through a family photo album and be like, ah, oh, you remember that time we went to Lake Erie? That was so great. Um, but it's actually to make it present. So to renew the, uh, renew the past among us. So you think as Jesus says, do this in memory of me, it's not just to say like, hey, remember this, don't remember this, but it's actually, as you do this, you're going to make it present. As you do this, you're not going to live in the past. You're not just going to live in the memory, but you're actually going to make this present. So we've got, um, if you remember the sacrament section, this is my favorite image of the Last Supper. Um, I, first of all, I did mention how Judas is the only one with red hair. Funny. Um, but also, like, the, the fact that the connection it makes between the Mass and the Last Supper with Jesus holding a host, but the look on Jesus' face of just, like, peace on the one hand, but also this sense of, like, here it is. This is what I have to give you. And this, like, invitation of, is this enough for you? I don't know. That's my own, like, kind of take on it. My own meditation is, like, this is all I have to give you. Do you need anything else? All right, so the Mass is in the Bible. It starts, our, one of the primary places is the, um, is the Last Supper, but it's not the only place. So I imagine everybody here knows the story 
on the road to Emmaus. So we've got a picture of people on the road to Emmaus. Um, couldn't find a picture I actually liked. I looked, not terribly hard, but um, hard enough that I should have been able to find something. Why I don't like that is, um, so we'll get to it. As Jesus is, so Jesus rises from the dead on Sunday morning, right? That's Luke 24, the start of Luke 24. Jesus rises from the dead. They run, they tell everybody, whatever. And these two people, we hear one of them's name is Clopas. We don't hear the other person's name. They are going the wrong way, right? They're going from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And Jesus pulls up alongside of them and says, what are you talking about? And they turn to him and they say, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who hasn't heard of the things that have happened? How Jesus was, we thought, basically, we thought he was the Messiah, but he suffered and died. And some people, some women from our group told us that he had been risen, but uh, yeah, we're not sure. And Jesus says, oh, how slow of heart and how foolish you are to believe. And then it says, and Jesus broke open the scriptures and told them everything in the Old Testament that was about himself. It's like the Easter Vigil all over again, you know? He's just running through it all. And, uh, and then Jesus, as they, so he talks about the scriptures. He says how it applies to himself. They still don't know who he is. And he makes this impression that he's going to keep going. And they're pulling off, stopping for the night. And they say, stay with us, Lord. Right? This man who's spoken, stay with us. What a great like, cry of the heart, stay with us. And so while they sit down and to eat, Jesus takes bread, he says the blessing, breaks it, and gives it to them. And then we hear they eat it, and with that their eyes are open, and they recognized him in the breaking of the bread, and Jesus is gone. When is the other time in the scriptures when two people take something, they eat it, and their eyes are open? Adam and Eve, right? So, Adam and Eve, they take the fruit, they eat it, and their eyes are open. So, who's this other mysterious figure? At the foot of the cross, we hear of Mary, the mother of Jesus, Salome, and Mary, the wife of Clopas. So, who is this? We don't know. I like to think it's Clopas's wife, Mary. First of all, because as they're walking along the way, we hear that they're arguing. And what married couple's ever been traveling together and argued, you know? Never happened in my family growing up. Love you, Mom. But right, isn't that so beautiful that this married couple, Jesus comes and finds them. And then basically, in the fall, they see the, uh, they see their brokenness, they see their shame. And in the Eucharist, in Jesus' rising from the dead, they see the word of life, they see salvation, they see the undoing of that. So, scriptures doesn't say who this mysterious other person is, but I mean, I'm putting, put my money on Mary, the wife of Clopas. So there's that, and right, this follows this outline, right? The people are lost, Jesus speaks with them, they're fed, and then they're sent back, right? So these people, they haul butt, and uh, they go back to Jerusalem to tell people what happened. Yeah, not the right word choice there. Um, and, then, and then this all, other one of the feeding of fi the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 shows up in every gospel. Mark's is like particularly helpful to reflect upon. So in, in the gospel according to Mark, 
um, we hear that the crowds are following Jesus, and Jesus' heart is moved with pity for them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. All right, they're lost. And Jesus' response to that is he began to teach them many things. The first thing he doesn't do is he doesn't feed them in this multiplication. He begins to teach them many things. We don't hear what those things are. Evidently, Mark just thought it was important for him to say that we were taught, like, many things. And then the apostles come up, and they're like, hey, uh, everybody's kind of hungry. And he's like, all right, what do you got? Five loaves, two fish. Sweet. Bring it here. Separate them in groups and 50s and 10s or whatever. And uh, he, of course, multiplies the loaves and fish, and then they're sent back, sent out on their way. So this, like, flow of, of the mass that we live today is, is the same, right? People are lost. That's us. That's me, right? What's important in life, right? Couples on the way to mass arguing in the car on the way to mass. Um, sheep without a shepherd, right? Hopelessness, all of that. Like, that's how we show up to mass. And, but Jesus speaks first, right? He, he gives his word. We hear the readings. Hopefully the, the priest does a, a moderate job of, of opening it to us. We're fed, and then we're sent back out on our way. The amazing thing, so that's just like amazing as it is, and there's other little places that you can point to that this kind of flow follows. The early church thought this too. So St. Justin the Martyr writes this that we're about ready to go through a long quote. It, it gets included in the catechism in the year 155 AD. So this is 120 years after Jesus rises from the dead, that St. Justin writes this. So this is, this is remarkable. You just listen to this and like, oh my gosh, we're doing the exact same thing. And as he's writing this too, it's not like he's explaining something new. As you listen, it's, he's telling people just simply what they, what, hey, you want to know what we're doing? Let me tell you. So 155. On the day we call the day of the sun, Sunday, all who dwell in the city or country gather in the same place. The memoirs of the apostles and the writings of the prophets are read as much as time permits. When the reader has finished, he who presides over those gathered admonishes and challenges them to imitate these beautiful things. Let's just stop there. People gather from the country, our farmers, and those who live in town. They gather in the same place. And then as much as time permits, they read the memoirs of the apostles and read from the prophets. They do the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's pretty cool. As much as time allows, who knows how long that was. Um, and then the one who presides over those gathered admonishes and challenges them to imitate these beautiful things. The homily, all right? So we, we can follow that. Then we all rise together and offer prayers for ourselves and for all others, wherever they may be, so that we may be found righteous by our life and actions and, the faithful, and faithful to the commandments so as to obtain eternal salvation. All right, so then we all stand and we offer our petitions, right? So praying for all those who are here, all those who aren't there. When the prayers are concluded, we exchange the kiss. Ah, uh, we don't do that. Uh, at least not at that point, right? So that got moved. Kiss of peace, right? The old divine smooch. Um, Somebody one time, so after I was ordained a deacon, actually, full disclosure, I got this from somebody else. So uh, 
Now Father Ethan Moore, from McCart he was from McCartyville. At the time he was Deacon Ethan Moore, he was a class ahead of me. I was, I was with him in a conversation and somebody asked him, Deacon, what's the best part about being the, being the deacon? And he goes, the smooches. <laughs> I get to kiss the altar at the start of Mass. I got to kiss the Gospel and I get to kiss the altar at the end of Mass. The smooches. <laughs> All right, then someone brings bread and a cup of water and wine mixed together to him who presides over the brethren, right? Somebody brings up bread, wine, and water. Oh, snap, they have a little offertory procession. He takes them and offers praise and glory to the Father of the universe through the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And for a considerable time, he gives thanks to God. In Greek, that word is Eucharistion. So he gives thanks to God. He Eucharist, Eucharistized, something like that that we have been judged worthy of these gifts. When he has concluded the prayers and thanksgivings, all presents give voice to an acclamation by saying, Amen. I think that's how he meant to put it. Um, so you, I, right, you're following? The person who presides offers praise and thanks to God, the Eucharistic prayer, and at the end of it, everybody says, Amen. When he who presides has given thanks and the people have responded, those whom we call deacons give to those present the Eucharistized bread, so they distribute Holy Communion, um, wine and water, and take them to those who are absent. So the deacons are in charge of taking the, uh, the, the Eucharistized bread, so the bread of thanksgiving, the Eucharist. That's in the year 155. You know, we haven't really changed our business model since then. So, um, just beautiful. So if we're going to talk just kind of um, about this structure of the Mass and just kind of relating it to, um, to Justin Martyr there. First of all, we're not making up the Mass. So this picture has a Roman Missal. That's what the, the, uh, that big red book is called. It's called the Missal. Not like a Missal, like psh, oh, but a missal like uh, a misa, right? Like the mass with an L at the end of it. So one of the things you notice is um, uh, it's not like a, a, great, a, a great page to show, but the words in bold and black are the words that I say. The words in black that aren't in bold are the words that you say. And the red stuff are the instructions as to what to do. So you get this is the feast of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. And then you see in red right here, the Gloria is said, like, you know, what masses do you say the Gloria? Well, it'll just tell us. It's not, you know what, I think I'll do a Gloria today. It sounds great. Um, so it's really simple, right? Uh, we just say, you say the black, you do the red. It's great. So um, anyways, so to go through the mass, right, um, first of all, we all gather together. Seems obvious, but that's a really important thing is that it's not just like, you know what, I'll just... Um, and even had this discussion with people since COVID, like, is it okay for me just to watch Mass at home on EWTN or to live stream? Um, it's just a little easier for me. The answer is no. I mean, if you're sick and you're suffering or you're highly contagious or whatever, that's what you have to do. But it's the point of us actually being together and forming the Lord forming a church. So we have the introductory rites. There's the penitential act, right? Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. I confess to Almighty God, all those sorts of things. Then the Liturgy of the Word, the offerings are presented. And then there's this anaphora, right? We call it the Eucharistic prayer. 
And if you, you pay attention, there's multiple Eucharistic prayers, but they have similar, similar themes, right? They kind of get drawn out in a similar way. So first, there's the preface. And you'll know we're, we're starting the preface when I say, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. And then I'll go on with something. And there's different prefaces for different mass. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. For as we celebrate this great feast day of the Blessed Virgin Mary, blah, 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 the preface then ends with the holy, holy, holy. Right? So, so, and that's the time when you, you kneel. So that's the preface, right? That's like, all right, we're getting warmed up and this Eucharistic prayer can be, the catechism refers to it as the anaphora. That's like a Greek word for the lifting up, the raising, raising up. So we get this preface. Shortly after the preface is the epiclesis, right? That's the, the calling down of the Holy Spirit. So you know the epiclesis is happening because the priest will put his hands over the gifts like this. Interestingly, in the Maronite rites, so that's one of those Eastern rites, at the epiclesis, it says, and the priest flutters his hands. And I was talking to a priest who celebrated that for the first time. He's like, what, what does that mean? And so he's like, <laughs> I, I, you know, and he didn't really know. He just thought it was funny. But, um, but of course, there's, some, there's this like, it's not just because we got jazz hands or something like that, right? So what's happening at, at the epiclesis is that we call down the Holy Spirit upon these gifts to make Jesus present. And the hands go over top because it's an overshadowing. You think about when the angel Gabriel comes to the Blessed Virgin Mary. He says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you and then Jesus will be made present in you. At Mass, the Holy Spirit will overshadow these gifts and then Jesus will be made present in the body and blood of Christ. So the flutter I'm guessing is the wings of the Holy Spirit, right? To signify the Holy Spirit's overshadowing these gifts. Um, right. To make Christ present. So then we have the institution narrative. That's the, on the night before he was betrayed, or the night he was betrayed, uh, he took bread giving thanks, and then we, we uh, go through that. And then the anamnesis, right? Anybody know what they think that means? What's, somebody who has amnesia can't. Remember, so the anamnesis is the remembering. So that's when we talk about uh, Jesus, you know, uh, I should have brought a missile with me, um, about how he remember, uh, you know, remembering the passion, the death, the resurrection, and your glorious ascension into heaven. And we offer you this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, right? So that's the, that's the memory part. This is the, the making present, the offering of Christ on the cross. And then... In every Eucharistic prayer, there's intercessions, right? We pray for Francis, our Pope, and Dennis, our Bishop, all the priests, all the clergy, all those gathered here together, all of our beloved dead, right? We pray for, we pray for people at Mass. And then we receive Holy, Holy Communion after that great Amen and uh, pray the Lord's Prayer and then the blessing, the dismissal, right? Ite Misa Es. Get on out of here. So, any questions so far? I realize I feel like I'm kind of like... Okay, the last part before I hand it on to Father Mike Schmitz is, so I, if you look at the title, right, this one says the Mass in the Bible. So when we look at the Bible, we can see the Mass inside of it. Similarly, when we look at the Mass, we can see the Bible inside of it, right? So the Bible is 
scattered throughout the Mass. And you think, well, of course it is in the readings, right? In the readings, we hear the Word of God. But also, in so many little words and phrases, the wording, the prayers, like, somebody just plagiarized the Bible when they were writing the Mass, right? When I say, the Lord be with you. You think about all the times somebody said, the Lord be with you. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, the Lord is with you. Um, Samson, uh, or when, yeah, Samson, the Lord is with you, right? So all of those things, like, the Lord be with you. And even as you're like praying along the mass, anytime you hear the Lord be with you, something important's about to happen. That's the sign in the, in the scripture. Or that's the sign in the scriptures. When they say the Lord be with you, it's not like, oh, Jesus is great. Like, oh, it's, and Jesus is about ready to ask something of you. Or God is, right? The Lord is with you. That means you're about ready to have a mission. So you have the Lord be with you. Let's start mass. The Lord be with you. You're about ready to hear the gospel. The peace of the Lord be with you always. You're about to be, have your life bombarded by Jesus' grace in the Eucharist. The Lord be with you. You're about ready to be blessed to be sent out on a mission. So, copy and pasted though from, uh, from the sacred scriptures. It's Chronicles, First Chronicles, we get David's confession. You know, David, um, oh, steals Uriah's wife and then has, her mur has him murdered. And, uh, you know, he's got to repent for that. So, have... I have greatly sinned, right? I, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Son of David, have mercy on us. You think about blind Bartimaeus. Jesus is walking by and he just shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on us. So even Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. We're just, we're just copy and pasting. Even the holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts is um, from the book of Isaiah. And then the brilliance is we pair that with something from the book of Revelation. It says, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. So it's just like piecing all this together. And then even behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's John the Baptist. Points Jesus out and says, behold the Lamb of God. So there's a great book that walks through like this. And it's a super easy read. It's under, uh, a biblical walk through the Mass by... Edward Sree, uh, there was two printings of it, so I've got both covers in case you're like, you get one, it's like, that's not the cover Father Sean showed. They're, those are the two, uh, two editions. I can't recommend it enough. It's just a beautiful, a beautiful, um, a beautiful reflection and understanding of the Mass. And actually, so the, um, the summer I was a deacon, I, um, I, I asked the pastor, who was my internship pastor, I said, hey, Father, uh, Father King, who he lives his life like a king, but uh, he does. Uh, sorry, a lot of thoughts. I'm thinking what I should say, but uh, he oftentimes calls the parish office to chat, and whoever picks up the phone, he mocks me. I don't know, and Bobby can attest to that. When, <laughs> the highlight of the day when he calls. But anyways, I said, hey, Father, do you mind if I preach daily mass the entire summer? And one of the options for homilies is to just preach about the Mass, not just the readings. And it's like, actually, I just want to walk through the Mass for myself, but, you know, I'm preparing to be a priest and knowing more and loving more about the Mass, that'd be important. So he's like, sure, I don't have to preach the entire summer? Go for it. So that's what we did. We, I just took this book and a couple other ones, and we just walked through the Mass for the entire summer. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But, um, yeah, a biblical walk through the Mass can't recommend it enough. Father? Yes? So when Jesus actually comes into bread and wine, that's at the point... Ah, 
No, no. Yeah, take this, all of you, in need of it. This is my body. This is my body given up for you. You hear that last word, boom. That's why the bells ring at that point. Yeah. Yep, same thing with the, the precious blood. Is there something we should pray to ourselves instead of just looking? I mean, is there something you can suggest? I mean, I tend to think of the miracle of it, but mm -hmm. sometimes I think, is there a little prayer, something I should say? Sure. Yeah, so the, the question, uh, what, what do I do at that moment when, when we have that institution narrative and you hear the, uh, the words and then you see the Eucharist and uh, what do we do interiorly? And probably in your life, I'd imagine, like there's different things that strike you. So um, I know some, I've heard, so I'm just going to throw off everything that comes to mind. Thomas when he sees Jesus and he puts his finger into his side, his response when he realizes that's Jesus is my Lord and my God, right? So that interiorly to say my Lord and my God and just like the awe of that. Um, this is my body given up for you, right? Like those are also words of love. So to think about maybe all of the people you're called to give your life up for, to remember them, whether that's a husband, whether that's children, whether it's somebody in your day-to-day -day life, say, okay, Jesus, you're doing this for me, but help me to do this for them too, right? Help me to give my life for those, those who are there. Um, and then there is, um, yeah, whatever prayers come to mind, right? Whether it's just simple, Jesus, I trust in you, or um, take Lord everything, or thank you for this incredible gift. Like whatever, whatever comes to mind. Um, I, I love, there's a, there's a great line too that Jesus says. He says, uh, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will gather, I will draw all people to myself. Think about like that, that moment, when I am lifted up from the earth. And of course he's talking about the crucifixion. But when I'm lifted up from the earth, he'll draw all people to himself. And, uh, and sometimes I get really, you know, you're like there and you want to stay there forever. And you realize like, oh, that's what Eucharistic adoration is. Eucharistic adoration is like we're holding this up and we just press the pause for, you know, as long as for the hour that we're there. Is, and Jesus is lifted up to draw us to himself. So, um, so sometimes, you know, you lift it up. It's like, I can't wait till adoration. That's going to be great. We're just going to stay here for a while. So, yeah. Any other questions? All right, so like I said, we are going to go in the very capable and holy hands of Father Mike Schmitz. And maybe you know Father Mike Schmitz, maybe you don't. He might, he's, uh, he's pretty popular on the, the, the Catholic internet sphere. Um, Father Mike Schmitz is a, uh, is a priest of the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. And if you know about the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, why isn't this uh, on both screens? Uh, the previous, or a former bishop of the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, is the one, the only, Archbishop Dennis Schnur. So he, so Archbishop Schnur tells this story, and I'm going to do my best Archbishop Schnur impersonation. He said, um, you know, uh, see if that's right. No. Multiple displays. Huh. All right, so anyways, Archbishop Schnur says, 
You know, when I first became the bishop of the Diocese of Duluth, I met all of the seminarians, and there was a young man that had left the seminary for a little while, and he was coming back, and the young man's name was Father Mike Schmitz, or the young man's name was Mike Schmitz, and I thought to myself, this guy will never make it. I was wrong. So the same guy that ordained Father Mike Schmitz, a priest, ordained me, which is pretty cool. To find the video that was played, go to YouTube and search Pray the Mass Like Never Before, and the video of Father Mike's talk from Seek 2019 will pop up. The link is also available in the description of this episode.